want to learn how to become a millionaire? Are you committed to having financial freedom? To learn the secrets to building and managing a million dollar business, whatever it takes? Because today the opportunities are greater than ever to achieve your goals. Welcome to How to Be a Millionaire. In this show, we are on a mission to educate and empower a thousand new millionaires over the next 10 years through our nonprofit foundation at millionairestraining.org and through our fast track implementation programs at millionairesacademy.com. I'm your host, Sydney O'Sullivan. Some call me the Millionaire's Mentor because I've been building million dollar businesses for over 20 years. And in this show, I interview other millionaires in my network and get them sharing their best advice to create your big vision, discover your life purpose and legacy, build your dream team, develop a millionaire mindset, scale your business, invest for success, and manage and share your wealth and prosperity over the long term. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello there, it's Sydney O'Sullivan and welcome to another episode. I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest today because 10 years ago, she supported me in one of my first big projects. Welcome, Sharon, and it's so wonderful to have you here. So let's get stuck into it. What's happened for you over the last few months? You've been in lockdown Melbourne, Australia has done it pretty hardcore. So we're at the tail end now. We're down to zero cases. Um, so we're reaping the benefits because we're starting to reopen. But really everything went to apple custard about, it was March. The Australian government announced they were shutting everything down. Uh, they, we'll, they were hinting they were going to shut it down on the Monday. Uh, we were on Tuesday when we suspected that's what was going to be happening. So we had six days and we had the entire office and business moved online in four days. And that included moving a hundred events to online from off to being in the building, face-to-face -face trainings around the country. We moved the whole company online in four days. It was incredible. Wow. So you've been going for how long with that company now? The company began in 2004. I started coaching Sharon Pearson Associates 2003, 2004. The Coaching Institute began. We were achieving eight figures within, I think, five years or six years, maybe just under. And we've been going, as you know, for 17 years now. So, yeah. It, and we did better this year, which I know that's not the case for a lot of people. I really feel for a lot of people, but we are very, very fortunate, the space we're in and how much and how hard we pivoted to make, which is the word other than unprecedented in 2020, we majorly pivoted <laughs> to take the, make the most of what was coming and what was inevitable. So you were already pretty savvy online and, uh, what and you spent a lot of time and money investing to become, I mean, how I hooked up with you in San Diego was that I, I posted that I was going to be in San Diego and you said, I'm going to be at Ryan Dice's traffic and convert. Was it, was it traffic yeah. conversion? Yeah. Yes. Invited me to come along and it was very, very intense training and you were doing that all the time and you were implementing it in your business. So then you had a lot of live, you had people going through your programs that were expecting to be at live events which you used to run a lot of live events and and two you, a week. you pardon two, two events a week two a week and you just said okay let's not uh stop the let's not stop the the process let's move it onto zoom very quickly you did it very quickly four days in four 
awesome. Awesome. And then you and I happened to catch up and I said, how's it going? Have you been affected? And you said, we're global. Yeah. Yeah. We went from, I can't remember how many countries we're in 90 countries now as a result of 2020 and the choices we made. The attitude we had wasn't, we'd better get online and hope it's okay and let's make the best of it. It was, this is an incredible opportunity. It truly is in our space, an incredible opportunity because we now get to reach people we never would have reached before. But it opened our eyes to ways we hadn't been doing business before that we needed to do. So for example, we used to have Zoom available for people who couldn't be in the room, but we noticed that people in the room got more attention. Well, now it's the great leveler. Everybody gets the same attention all around the world. So we have people joining us now in all the different countries because the experience is now beautifully equal everywhere. We've opened up an international team. So we have a massive support team called the WOW team. So we do outbound calls to all our thousands of members. They're international now. They're in four different countries. They don't aren't in Australia anymore. So masses of new innovation came because of that one rapid decision. It's been quite incredible. And you don't actually have to work in your business very much anymore, do you? Because you just completed, by the way, congratulations. You just did something with your education. I remember you were doing something intense. What was it? Yeah, you're sweet. I've just completed my Master of Applied Positive Psychology at Melbourne Uni. And no, I haven't been in my business uh, day-to-day management for seven years now. So this is all credit to the team that have been doing it in all of my businesses. They're all just been amazing. So what do you think your success principle is for um, making all those people empowered to lead like they do? Like how were you able to become such a masterful leader that, that you could step away and still have everything grow like it does? I have an incredible uh, new CEO. I, I'm not going to take the credit. My, my, I, I am an entrepreneur. So my flavor is to make a mess, to break shit, figure it out afterwards and hopefully have a great team behind me who's sweeper. It's called having a sweeper. Um, I'm not the day-to-day manager. That's not my strength. It's not my forte. If you looked at any of my personality traits, I'm not built for doing the same thing every day. So getting someone who could become a sweeper so I could keep staying entrepreneurial, keep thinking big picture, keep thinking about new opportunities, but have someone who is very steady and very, very consistent, which I am not, has been absolutely the key to the coaching institute. So I've tried to get CEOs before Sydney and this this guy happens to be my husband and he never had any background in coaching, never had any background in any of this. He had experience selling tires and he's made the adjustment in the last seven years. So he's very steady, very consistent, very methodical in ways that I find insanity causing because it so I knew I had to hire someone who could bridge the gap that I was not prepared to bridge in myself and I think a lot of entrepreneurs make that mistake they keep trying to find versions of themselves to take over that's you can't do that I'm always going to be meddling I'm always going to be interfering with the business so I've got to have someone in there who's got a personality who can not just tolerate that but welcome that so that's been a real key that I put there was just one day I said I think you're the perfect guy for the job and he was there the next day because to have tried to get another me would have clashed. Uh, it would have caused problems in terms of the, the force, the dynamics of the personalities. It would have meant me feeling I was having to compromise, whereas with this style, I don't compromise. 
Well, because you've been married a long time, so you knew him. You guys knew yeah. each other, right? So yeah, twenty-seven years. Oh, congratulations! And uh, so, anyway, so you you and it hasn't always been easy. I remember we've we've caught up over the years, and there's been people who haven't worked out in the business, but you've you've adjusted. You know, this is what happens. You just you never quit. You just you rebuild. You know, you you picked up the mess. You rebuild as you have to, but you've always been able to provide great value for your customers right so w- through the up well i think there's two as i'm speaking with you i think there's two main things i think about one philosophy is it's all about the client it has to be obsessively about the client and their experience it's about wowing them and give providing them something very very unique so when they're with us they feel they belong and they have a home with us they have an experience with us they don't have anywhere else. That's what they tell us. And that's always been our primary. Yeah, I have, I have some joint clients with you and they love your community. They absolutely, oh, wow. yeah, they do. They really feel part of a very tight community. Yeah. Like, you know, we just did a launch for Alicia Wade, who's just one of one of your coaches of the year, which was awesome. Yeah. And uh, she just had to put the word out about her book that we were doing a launch and the community rallied unbelievably. It was fantastic. Yes, yes. they are very, very special group together. And the second philosophy is this, find a way. It doesn't matter how tough it is, find a way. As we were moving online rapidly, a so-called competitor was saying things like, this is the time to batten down the hatches, ride it out, and hope hope it goes away because there's nothing you can do. The exact wrong message to send out to people. You don't batten down your hatches right now. You find a way to do bigger and better or you get into a business where you can. You don't batten down your hatches like you're waiting for a storm to pass. This was always going to be two years at least. So there was some really bad advice out there, but my philosophy's always been find a way. And you're referring to the tough times. You know, I've had some really, really brutal times. In the This hasn't been it, but in the past, you know, many years ago. And you're right. It's, okay, well, what are we going to do about it? How can we turn this absolute mess into something that we can learn from and improve from? So 18 years later, we get to talk about how successful we are because of those two philosophies, customer focus and find a way, no excuses. Awesome. Okay. So what are the opportunities? You told me a little earlier that you're already tapping into some great opportunities that have come up because of the shift in the economy, right? Um, tell, tell us what you see as being the opportunities that are there for people who are looking to create wealth right now. They're not burying their head in the sand. They're not in the sand. They're not battening yeah. down hatches, right? People that are like, okay, I'm going, I'm going to flourish while other people are, are waiting it out, right? What are the opportunities? Yeah. So, well, there's many opportunities, but where I am expert and where my my strength is, it's going online and building communities of people who really care about whatever it is you have. So we build a community around the Coach Institute, so coach training, but we've also built communities around emotional intimacy. We build communities around being a disruptive leader. We build communities online and then into that community, we provide opportunities to do business with us through our programs. So the model is really simple. You do a Zoom class or a webinar, you record it, In there, if you want to download the handbook, you go to a Facebook group to get the handbook, you're now part of a community. Done. It's just really, really simple. So that's one really easy way because people are quite desperate with so much isolation to have a way of being really close together. And I'm not talking about 
manipulating them or taking advantage of them. I'm saying provide truly a valuable place where they can belong. They feel they're part of something bigger and make sure you over deliver to these people for free, for free, for free every single day. And then every now and again, an offer. So that would be a really simple example of how we've gone online, probably stronger than we had before. The other opportunity, it depends on where you're at, is to move the thinking from cash is king to cash that you keep and invest is king. So my attitude when I first started, I spoke about this with you. I was making loads of money, like you said, some months seven figures is ridiculous. This is years ago. This is like over 10 years ago. And I was, I had nothing to show for it. I, I had a couple of properties, but no big deal. This is just woeful to say. But I didn't have the mentality then because I thought it was just great that I was doing the numbers. I didn't have the attitude yet. It's the numbers you keep. It's the numbers you protect and it's the numbers you invest. So my attitude now is, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that's the gift we get out of those bad partnerships and the, and the you know, when the economy changes and we realize that we didn't have all our eggs, you know, we have too many eggs in one basket or, you know, that's, that's the, the wisdom you get from experience, right? Is, oh, it's not about how much money I make. It's about how much I keep, right? Keep and invest. That's the key. So I switched my goal about 10, 11 years ago for every dollar I make, the goal is the dollar needs to come from an asset that isn't me. So if I count me as an asset, which is an awful way to use language, but for the sake of this, if I'm an asset, I produce income when I sell a product, when I pitch from stage, whatever I do. That's me, the asset, earning the income. My goal was within a decade that I'd switched all my income from assets that weren't me. So that's been my goal. And I'd really recommend people think in terms of, Assets that are earning and producing that aren't reliant on you because otherwise you hit so-called retirement and you're stuck with a really crappy pension and very little else and suddenly your lifestyle has to plummet. But that's not necessary if we can think in terms of am I producing income from assets. So it's been gradual. It's taken 10 to 12 years. But now the dollars come from assets other than me and that's excluding the coaching institute. So I know I don't work at TCI but I don't count that income. I count that as income from me still. I'm that hard about it. Does that make sense? So it's other investments. So diversification away from just yourself. So the income producer is always going to do it the toughest. The income producer who takes some of that income and invests in an asset that can produce income is going to do a little bit better. The goal is to do that seven times. And this is not financial advice, Sydney. This is simply my personal view and what I've done is to find seven ways over 10, 12 years to invest in ways that make money that aren't reliant on me. So tell us about some of the things. Do you, I, you mentioned to me earlier that you like real estate. I love real estate. Um, a lot of landlords are finding themselves a bit hard-pressed at the moment because their tenants are not paying rent, right? So... Um, so how, how do you diversify your real, real estate investments, for instance? Do you like commercial? Do you have yeah, a commercial? Yeah. yeah. So I bought my parents both a million dollar house in Perth. That's never going to get a return. I just call that an investment of love. But in, I, we, yeah, commercial investments. So we but even choose commercial, even commercial is risky at the moment. So do you have um, ways of offsetting risk with that as well? Do you have something in place? Yeah. Because uh, yeah. like you told me, the last time we talked, you were telling me about, 
a pub that was in downtown Melbourne that had just sold for like $100 million and it went out of business because they put the city into lockdown. So even commercial can be risky. How do you um, manage that risk? So the first thing is choose we choose locations that are going to be designated or are designated switch to residential. So in a city like Melbourne, where the city's pushing out all the time and getting more and more high density close to the city, choosing a location that's near the city where it's been rezoned, that's an immediate payoff or is going to be rezoned. That's an immediate payoff. So, and I don't mind holding onto it for 10, 15, 20 years to get the return. So it's, it's a long-term play. I'm not counting on it to get a huge return right now. The second thing is to think creative, creatively about how you, who you rent it to and who you lease it to. Melbourne's been fortunate. We haven't had the same downturn in commercial in more commercial places versus retail. So I wouldn't invest personally in retail commercial. But that's just me. Again, not financial advice. It's just me personal. Because yeah, we're, talking think- about, we're talking about your strategies. This, me. Is, um, this is really just how each of us has a different perspective. Totally. Right? Yeah. And what are your strategies? Like my mom invests in real estate, but she buys really nice little family homes in areas where people always want to live. Yeah, and, we've and done that. Exactly. Never move out. It's just the, you know, because it's owner-occupied, you know, really highly desirable areas, close to good schools, close to the shop. Yeah. So it's about your personal strategy, right, of what works for you to minimize that risk. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So in Melbourne and Sydney, we brought... Again, they're switching to residential where they have been rezoned. So they've immediately got the benefit of going up in asset value, which means we can borrow against them and buy another property, which is a very powerful way to do it. So it's self-funding. But the other thing we look about, we don't do retail. We do places that have long-term tenants or can have long-term tenants that provide a service that's separate from the retail economy because the retail is so fluctuating now and I've never trusted it because I think the margins are so low. I've been watching a couple of streets in Melbourne that you'd know, like Chapel Street is meant to be a shopping mecca. And it's just for 15 years it's been dying uh, and places become more and more to lease because the margins you've got to make to pay on a landlord who's land banking, it's brutal. So we don't go for places like that. We're further out. It's warehouse space where we can lease it out to people who want warehouse space. So we're really minimalistic. We also look for strategies to invest where there's low requirement on three things, expertise, skill, and talent. We don't want to invest in businesses where there has to be a massive amount of expertise, skill, or talent, because if we go in and they leave, we're now responsible for hiring more expertise, skill, and talent. We have that with the Coaching Institute. Every other business, because we invest in businesses as well, we make sure it's low expertise, low talent, low skill. So we're mitigating the risk of how many places we have to be. So, for example, with one of the warehouses we've just bought, we're going to either lease it out, it'll be easier to do, or we're going to lease out the warehouse space to somebody who needs warehouse space. So they will never occupy it, but they have overflow. So we'll pick up really great lease returns because of that strategy. So it's really about thinking creatively. We're not looking just to... We're not looking for the boutique. So I'd never buy a place that leases to a boutique. There's nothing against independent boutiques, but they have to get the season right. They have to sell out of their season. They have to make money on that season, pay themselves and pay rent. 
So we go for much lower risk investments. For example, in Sydney, we've invested in property, long-term lease, rezoned residential, easy to rent out because it's right on the outskirts of a really major city, a uh, suburb that's highly desirable. Uh, a business I've invested in WA, highly desirable, durable product, the most boring product in the world, it's tyres. But I know there's always going to be demand. It's not like clothes where it's seasonal and people don't like broad shoulders anymore. It's always going to be selling. So we're very risk adverse but and think very long term. And for every $10 that comes in, I would say five of it is being redirected into these investments. That's quite a lot. So my investment strategy is my biggest strategy of my spending. Um, my savings is the next smallest and my cost of living is the smallest. So I invest more of out of a whole proportion of my income more than anything else. That's where most of it goes into these investments because this is the time to set ourselves up. Properties are on the market at better prices. People, as you say, are needing to get places off their books because they can't get a tenant right now. So if you can afford to hold it for the short term, this is making the most of the opportunities that the world's giving us right now. Yeah, I think some of the things that have come up in these interviews that have really got me thinking are like, you know, you want to think about where is the, the world heading? So, for instance, one of my clients was um, they were doing artificial intelligence for the airline industry, which which was very, you know, it was a huge business. But then the whole airline industry got shut down. Oh. So they've now moved into artificial intelligence for the wind farm industry, which is massive and international. And it turns out really needed artificial intelligence. They still had guys climbing up the ladders to check on the windmills. And each wind farm has thousands of windmills, right? So I think we need to look at what some of the other speakers have been pointing out, and I love this thinking, is where is that world heading? Like we're now moving out of the technology world into the biotech world, right? So what does that mean to us as, as an international global community, right? You know, this lockdown could come and go and come and go and affect retail shops. Retail shops are moving to malls. They're moving online, right? So that affects property investing and it affects how you run your business. So, um, and then we might not always have the freedom we have online. So should we be looking at apps? Should we be looking at, I'm moving my business into online TV because I see that as the future, right? What are some of the things that you guys are expanding into? Well, a lot of the things you've been saying, so our strategies are quite consistent with what you're saying in terms of investments. We've set up a very successful, uh, would you believe, import-export business because it's tougher right now to act globally in a global economy because of various decisions being made politically around the world. We're doing really well selling PPE, would you believe, around the world. So that's one of our very successful businesses this year that was just obvious. Hi, this is Sydney. And thanks for listening to the show today. If you liked today's episode, please let us know. Hit the subscribe button so you can get updates on our new episodes. Leave us a comment or review. We love all of your feedback. Share the show with your friends and most importantly, come introduce yourself at our free online community at millionairestraining.org.